This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wentz Mode, King's Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. Uh, this week, Chelsea were back in action after the international break, taking on Arsenal in the FA Cup fifth round at King's Meadow. For the game, uh, thoughts would have been on that team sheet coming out. No Frank Kirby, obviously with an illness, uh, injury, sorry, and um, also playing the hardest still out. Arsenal, of course, without Miedema and uh, Beth Mead. But Chelsea still with the ace up their sleeve in Sam Kerr. Um, the game started with Arsenal on top, really testing and catching Berger back in goal uh, with some decent efforts in the first half. But again, it was Chelsea's ruthlessness with Sophie Ingle getting them 1 0 up in the first half and then Sam Kerr finishing off a devastating counter attack in the early stages of the second half to secure a 2 0 win over the Gunners. Again, Chelsea. Much better than Arsenal on the day, even with Arsenal's shots on goal stats um, looking better than perhaps they were. Um, for me, the highlight of the game was a simple message to Sam Kerr as she readjusted her hair in front of the West Stand. And that was, even with jet lag, she's better than you. Uh, and so the title of tonight's show, uh, episode 101, is Even with jet lag, she's better than you, which I've just made up right now. Um, on the show tonight, in part one, we're going to look at the game, uh, the action from it, how Chelsea adjusted their tactics to prevent Arsenal from really testing them in front of goal. And then in part two, we're going to look at Chelsea's game management. What does this mean ahead of the Conti Cup final? And thoughts on the FA Cup quarterfinal draw, um, which happened yesterday evening on the one show. Um, now, it's not just me you're here. Unfortunately, there's no Dane or Jane tonight. Both... Both let me down, but we have somebody that is more than capable of filling the void, and that is um, Kings Meadow Chronicle 
uh, writer Sophie Spittle. Sophie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Dean. Thank you very much for having me on again. And thanks for answering the late call. Um, it was a really late call. Um, the notes have just been written sort of 10 minutes before we started and there was no introduction written, which is why that was probably really, really pants. And it, not even the title was decided until we um, hit record, uh, which is always fun. Um, so if you're good to see, obviously, outside, um, Kings Meadow before is a little bit of a habit now, which is good. Um, did you enjoy the game? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was remarkably chilled, considering it was Arsenal. I was surprised at how chilled I was before the game. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was a bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, less intense than previous Chelsea-Arsenal games have, have, have been. And I think, as you alluded to in your notes, that it's probably Chelsea's game management that made it that way as much as anything else. So... Yeah, it was a good game and two two good goals um, and no no dodgy Arsenal decisions for once. No, the game just seemed to happen, really, which was quite weird. But it was Chelsea Arsenal, and they had a very big following uh, there on the day. As I was outside with the fans, I was noticing more Arsenal than Chelsea going through the gate, and I was a bit worried about what I was going to see once I got inside. But they just had their section over in the corner and. They had a couple of songs, bless them. Uh, but yeah, the game just sort of happened and I was cold. That's how I know the game wasn't that exciting. It's when the game's exciting, you don't really feel the cold, but I was absolutely freezing, uh, which is never good. Uh, now, remember, before we get into this, you can listen to the show live every Tuesday at 8pm by heading to Mixler.com. That's M-I-X-L-R.com. And searching for Went to Mo Kings Meadow. You can join in the show by posting on the chat page. As Buffer has done, he says hello to Sophie. Um, Hello, Buffer. Yeah, it's good. Buffer's regular in Mixler. Very grateful for him. And I hope he's feeling better after his uh, operation recently and his little spell in inside hospital. But hopefully, all's good. And he's got the copies of the fanzine to keep him busy uh, as well. So hopefully, he enjoys them. Especially Sophie's articles. They're one of the best in there. Uh, don't tell the others. Um, now, let's get on to the game then. Uh, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0. Chelsea lined up for this one in their 4 2 3 1 formation with. And catching Berger in goal. Uh, Eve Perise, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson, and Neve Charles in defence. Uh, Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert in the midfield with Lauren James, Yelena Chankovic, and Guru Wrighton supporting Sam Kerr in attack. Chelsea used just three subs on the day. Uh, Jess Carter came on for Perise in the 71st minute. And uh, Johanna Rissen Camrid and Jesse Fleming replaced Lauren James and Yelena Kankovic. In the 84th minute, that left Sachira Musovic, Manly Leopold's. Maren Mielder and Kadisha Buchanan as unused substitutes. Uh, Stats-wise, Chelsea 43% possession, seven shots, three on target, three corners and six fouls to Arsenal's 57% possession, uh, 20 shots, 11 on target, seven corners and five fouls. Um, we'll start with with the lineup, Sophie, I think, really. Um, no real surprises. I know... Emma mentioned in our press conference that Jesse Fleming and uh, Buchanan had just come back, uh, so obviously expected them not to not to start. Um, and even though Sam travelled a long distance and obviously played a lot of games for Australia, there is no other choice for her to play. So um, obviously that's where the song comes from. Uh, but apart from that, sort of no no shocks at all, was there to you? Not for me. Um, I think a few people expected Zuchiramusovic to start in goal. Um, but I wasn't surprised to see AKB back in goal. 
um, something Emma said at the, after the West Ham game that, that that block of games was a development game, development block of games, and that sort of resonated with me. And I thought, oh yeah, actually that probably explains some of the decisions that she was making. Um, and therefore, I thought AKB would be back in goal, and that Magda would start today, regardless of if Kadisha Buchanan had been playing or not. So, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on AKB a bit um, later in the show. Um, and I suppose those stats, obviously, what we spoke about at the start, you know, if you if you just looked at that without the scoreline, you would sort of think it was an Arsenal two 0 win rather than Chelsea, and it don't one of those occasions where the stats don't tell the story of the game. No, definitely not. Um, a lot of those shots on goal, especially those in the second half, was basically catching practice for AKB. They were straight at her, long, long, um, long range shots. So, yeah, you're right. The stats definitely didn't show take, tell the story of the game in in those circumstances. Yeah, though it's it's fair to say, probably isn't it that the Arsenal probably started the brighter of the two. Um, and for me, that was all down to the way that Chelsea was setting up defensively when they they swapped from four two three one into four four two. And at the start, it was, it was Lauren James that was alongside um, Sam Kerr in that in that block, and that left a lot of space on the right hand side, which uh, Steph Catley at left back was was getting lots of joy down that side. Um, obviously, that switched pretty soon after Arsenal got in behind us with. Um, you know, Kankovic going up front and Lauren James becoming more of that right-sided midfielder in that setup. Um, but do you think perhaps this is a little bit of one of those Emma managerial moments where it's a bit of a stress test on on Perise, who hasn't really featured in those huge games yet, and it's normally been someone like Jess Carter or Neve Charles there to see how she handled the occasion. Potentially. Um... Yeah, I mean, I I had no doubts when when she started. I thought that's the right decision. Definitely, she should be playing there. Um, I think she's an excellent player, and I, I, yeah, from what Emma was saying, it's all about getting her up to speed pre Chris or pre this point in time. And now it wouldn't surprise me if she plays a lot more, assuming her slight injury holds out. So yeah, I think it's, and I don't think she let anybody down. I think she played well again at the weekend. So. I don't think it's uh, it's a risk putting her in there. I think Dana said before, it reminds me of um, Paolo Ferreira in the in the men's team many years ago. You're always going to get a seven or eight out of ten performance out of her. So she's reliable and safe in that position. Yeah, I had a look at um, her numbers just before we, we came on there. She won 57% of the duels she was involved in. Um, I think it was eight of 14, if I remember that right. 88% um, of her passes accurate. And she had you know, one long pass, one one cross, both you know, accurate, one hundred percent. You know those numbers, you know, sort of bear out how she did. I think there was one chance in the second half where Ford got the better of her, maybe. But apart from that, again, you know, she hasn't really got a winger in front of her that does that defensive work. Um, did you find it interesting that when when Carter came on, who had been playing predominantly at left back, she stayed at right back, and it wasn't Charles that came over. Um, I wasn't surprised because that would have put Charles up against Caitlin Ford, who um, gave her a torrid time at the Emirates and in the last 10 minutes of the first half gave her a torrid time here as well. So it didn't really surprise me because you, I don't think Emma wanted Caitlin Ford up against Neve Charles as she could possibly avoid it. So it made sense to to put Jess Carter at right back and, and leave leave Neve at left back. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the Conti Cup 
in, in part two. Um, that might be something we'll, we'll talk about um, whatever does in that game. But obviously, it was a, an early early chance for, for Arsenal, which was you know, a really good save by AKB diving to her left. Um, really strong connection on the ball. Um, a bit of an early warning, warning shot for Chelsea. It seemed to wake them up a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, and it was like like at the Emirates. The Emirates, they came out really quickly and they did exactly the same hit thing here, trying to catch us as sort of on the on the on on the hop because we're sort of slow starters. Um, you're right, it did wake us up, and I don't really think they caught us out, or their intensity wasn't there like it was in the Emirates to to keep to generating that those issues. Um, and we adapted the defence uh, slightly better to to prevent those um, those chances coming in. As you say, they moved uh, Kankovic closer to Sam and moved Lauren out there to to give that extra level of um, lack of space for Steph Catley. Yeah, and then obviously you know we get that breakthrough. Um, some some high Arsenal pressure. We we were able to work our way through that through Perise. Um, then obviously when Lauren James gets on the ball. You know, you expect things to happen, and it did again where she cut inside, and it was Ingle running into the box. You know, a little touch, and then a great finish into the corner past uh, Zinsberger in goal. Um, I'm probably one of those people that are guilty of thinking of Sophie Ingle and thinking of a defensive midfielder that sits and screens the team, but actually, you know, she's the original box to box goal scoring midfielder, isn't she? Um. Yeah, I think so. Although I'm not sure she's ever scored loads of goals, but she's definitely been there or thereabouts. I noticed that in this game, it seemed quite quite apparent to me, you know, whether that's because Arsenal were preventing it, that Sophie Ingle was the player that was playing slightly further forward out of the two of her and Erin Cuthbert. Now, so whether that's because Arsenal were trying to keep Erin Cuthbert further back and they let Sophie Ingle have that space because they didn't think she was a danger in the attacking uh, area of the pitch which clearly is proven wrong uh with the goal she scored and some of the passes she was making as well out to, to guru on the on the right hand on the left hand side um so yeah it'll be interesting to see as you say what happens next week um but yeah erin was definitely seemed to be the one that was not pushing forward as much in this game as she has been recently yeah i suppose that's you know what makes their partnership quite good and it's i think it's getting stronger as the season's gone on is that you know, a bit like they're both on strings, one goes and the other one pulls back and they've got a bit of an understanding together now. But importantly, both can have an impact in the final third. And I know Sophie was your was your player of the match, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. So we were discussing it, the, the group of uh, fans I go with, we were discussing it on the way home in the train and we all saying that, yes, Kankovic was amazing, Sam Kerr did what Sam Kerr does, Lauren James did what Lauren James does, was but for us... Sophie Ingle just knitted it all together and and scoring that goal just, yeah, just sort of was the icing on the cake from a really good performance from her. Yeah, and I know she didn't actually get into my vote, um, but she was the next player on the list, I will say. Um, I suppose, aside from that, the big moment of the first half was AKB again with, with a double save. Uh, the first, I think, was McCabe, which she, looking back, I thought she made you know, a good save, but actually she drops the ball. Uh, and then obviously she makes up for it with a superb stop. Um, as you mentioned, you know, most of the saves in this game, similar to Muzovic at the Emirates, where they were routine, sort of straight at her, not really a threat. Um, she won the player of the match on the club vote. 
because she is a very popular player um, and she had a great game as well. Um, I suppose the question sort of is, and I'm, I think I know what your answer is going to be. You know, is she our number one or is she our cup goalkeeper? I think she's probably still our number one, but who knows with Emma? You just can't tell, can you? We'll find out against 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 Brighton and Man United, who's in goal for that for those two games. Um, but yeah, I think I think her shot shot stopping puts her a level above Zachira. But there were moments in this game where I thought her distribution uh, wasn't the safest or the the best. She was either missing passes or passing to Arsenal players. And that's the one part of her game, which we know isn't the top line. But I would rather have a keeper that made top quality saves than could pass the ball out from the back safely every single time. Yeah, I think the other thing she probably has over Muzovic, I think, the defence, especially when it's Magda and Millie, I think they have a more of trust with her and obviously they have a better understanding and communication with her than with Mizovic, who hasn't had the opportunity to play as much as, as AKB has done for Chelsea in that back four. And that probably gives her the edge, you know, when we come to these big moments when we're playing Arsenal in the FA Cup, uh, in the Conti Cup, the Champions League's coming up. I'm expecting to see AKB on the team sheet in all those games. Yeah, yeah, I, I am as well now. If Zachira had started at the weekend, that might have changed my mind. But as AKB started, I'm expecting her to be the the, the, the name on the team sheet going forward, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find it. But I know someone said on Twitter that Hope Powell asked Emma Hayes the question. And I couldn't find the response, obviously, being at the game. Um, I've not seen the coverage. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it at all, what she said yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I watched the, the game back when I got back on Sunday and, and Monday and, and watched the, the comment at the end. Hope Powell said about um, Berger coming back in, and this is where Emma mentioned again that the last block of games were a development game, block of games, and so she saw it and she wanted to get the players that weren't necessarily getting as many minutes up to speed, and Zachira was one of the key players for that, and she was interested and, and pleased with how Zachira had performed in, in, that, in, that, in that block of games. Yeah, interesting. Um, and obviously, as you said, we'll see. Probably Man United is the test of who is Chelsea's number one goalkeeper, shall we say, um, rather than Brighton. Um, what surprised me probably most on, on the day, Sophie, was Arsenal's sort of lack of inability to play out from the back. And they seem to really struggle moving that ball from the defence to, to the midfield. Um, you know, Kankovic almost scored the end of the first half, didn't she, where Sam Kerr intercepted one. Uh, and then obviously at the start of the second, you know, Zinsberg with a poor clearance and... Uh, James wins the ball, one touch to Kankovic, a lovely pass to Coe, scores 2-0 and Arsenal really played into her hands and that surprised me. Did it surprise you as well? Yes, because that's what they're renowned for. But then Emma Hayes then came out, as I think it was after the game or in the pre-match press conference, I'm not sure, and saying something like 70% of Arsenal's goals are scored within four passes of the keeper. So whilst they sort of do seem to be playing out from the back when they're attacking. That's not necessarily how they do. They don't do necessarily tiki-taki football. Um, but I think it was our blocking of the path, passing pathways that made it hard for them to play out from the back. So when I was watching it on TV, it was really obvious that Sam and Chilena and um, one of the midfielders and one of the wide players were blocking the passing lanes 
So therefore, Williamson really didn't have any options, but either to go long, which when you're up against Million Magda, that's not necessarily what you want, or just to hold on to it and try and pass it through the middle, where Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Ingle were just snuffing everything out. Yeah, I suppose that is, you know, in a nutshell, what Chelsea are, you know, they're really well organised. They know exactly what the opposition is going to do on the day. And most importantly, the players on the pitch know their jobs and know their roles. You know, there was, you know, we're going to talk about Kankovic in a minute, but, you know, there was a moment where in the first half where Sam's talking her through the press, uh, where to be, who to go to. And that obviously makes Emma's life a hundred times easier, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I noticed, I mean, you notice it on every game, but I really noticed it again on this game, is that the players were always having conversations. In any break of play, there were two or three players having a conversation and pointing and gesturing and and doing it. And I think that's something that that we do and that Emma encourages, is that she hasn't just got the manager on the sidelines. She, as she always says, she's got 10, 11, 12 managers, or not 12, 10, 11 managers on the field as well, coaches on the field as well, who can spot things and make the decisions for themselves. Yeah, and that's obviously something you know, we noticed on the game and we're going to talk about that in part two. So we'll talk about now um, Sam Kerr. Uh, I'll again give a shout out to the chant, you know, even with jet lag, she's better than you, um, which she and Guru both loved uh, as they were near that the section we were sitting in. Um, did that come across to where you were? No, unfortunately, I didn't actually hear that chant when the, when we in, the, uh, in the South Stand. Um, it was. It had its own level of noise in the South Stand this um, this weekend, and a lot of the chants that were being sung by the West Stand didn't necessarily make it as far as the North Stand. When I was watching back on telly, I was surprised at how much noise there was coming from the West Stand because, for whatever reason, this this on Sunday it wasn't coming across into the North Stand. So I didn't hear that chant until I saw the gifts and the videos on uh, online. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, though. Great clap, round of applause to whoever came up with that one. Superb. Yeah, luckily someone was happened to be filming that break in play and caught yeah. it all on camera, which is great. Um, talking about Sam Kerr specifically, then because it's a hundred games for her for Chelsea. Um, depending on what you read, um, she's either scored seventy eight, eighty two, or eighty one goals. Um, which the BBC had her at eighty one. Uh, I think it's eighty two. Uh, I think Harry Edwards said that, so I'll go with what Harry says because he knows his stats. Um. I'll just let you talk about Sam Kerr in general for a, for a minute or two, if you want. Just, yeah, what can you say about Sam Kerr? She, she's just on another level. Um, I can wax lyrical about her for ages. Um, I think when she first joined everyone and she sort of wasn't scoring, everyone said, oh, she's not going to score in the, in the WSL. But what I spotted at that point was her movement off the ball. She was always creating space for herself. Um, and once she worked out how to play with whoever it was, that first season, it was Beth England, then it was Frank Kirby. Now it's Lauren James or Kankovic or whoever's Guru Wrighton. She, she, I think she makes the other players around her better as well. Um, allows them to, she, she drags defenders to allow them to find the space or to. She's in the position that allows them to, um, to find her with the balls. So I think she's an instinctive goal scorer. Um, I think when she has to think about it a little bit too much, she she might not necessarily, that's when she doesn't necessarily put it in the back of the net, like the one-on-ones. But yeah, what can you say about her? So I think she's a, one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm just so, feel so privileged to have seen her play for 
the football club I support, one of the many, many excellent strikers we've seen at the club, both male and female. Yeah, she's got to be right up there, I think, with you talking about Chelsea as a club in general, men and women, when you talk about great strikers. Um, she's got to be in that conversation for, for the top three, I think, in my opinion. Um, and as you say, what, what can you say about her that you know, hasn't been said or is going to give any insight? You know, she's a bit of a cheat code for Chelsea at times, but, you know, we convinced her to sign for us and hopefully she can play every minute of every game because I think she's going to have to <laughs> in this well, Hopefully she won't game. have to play every minute of every game because we scored enough goals so we can take her off after 70 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that would help. Um, having someone to take her off for, I suppose that's the, the difficulty. Well, I suppose you could move you could move LJ in that position. I think Guru could play there if necessary. Jesse Fleming could probably do a job there. So, yeah. if necessary, you, uh, you move Millie right up the front, don't you? So. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. Although I don't think she scored in the Arnold Clark Cup, so maybe she's lost her touch a little bit. Um, the, let's move on to the assist for that goal then, which was from from Kankovic, and this was a, again another excellent performance from her. Um, as we mentioned, you know, times when Kerr was talking to her through the press, but with Kirby's absence, I think she's going to play a lot of minutes uh, in the next few games, and I'm expecting her performance levels just to continue rising. Um, what have you made of of her on the day and you know, overall? I really like her as a player. I um I think her performances will continue to rise as she plays more in the more with the players and and gets to know the the, the players and the way the team plays and what's expected of her. Um, I think as I think I've said before, her ability to pass the ball and create space against a low block team, allied with. Lauren James is running against a low block team, I think makes our issues, past issues against low block teams, maybe hopefully slightly less problematic this, this season. Um, but yeah, I so say her eye for a pass, her she one of my friends described her as a terrier on Sunday because she was she was everywhere. She was harassing, she was passing, she was making defensive stops. Um, yeah, sort of, I think we saw a side of it that we hadn't necessarily seen before on um, on Sunday. It'd be interesting to see for the Conti Cup if she keeps her place or if Jesse Fleming comes back in. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss that, I think, because that's another interesting, you know, topic about that Conti Cup and how this match is going to affect, you know, what happens before and during that game. Um, you know, as you said, I really enjoy watching her, her play and, when she gets on the ball and you can tell that she's looking straight away or she's already looked at where she's going to pass the ball, what's going to happen. Um, and she seems to have a good connection with Kerr, you know, two goals now she's assisted against Arsenal, uh, home and away, uh, which is always good. Uh, hopefully they're out to that next weekend. Um, after the the goal, you know, it was it felt like a total switch from Chelsea, in my opinion, that the game sort of died in a way that, you know, they knew that they weren't going to let Arsenal get back into it. It felt like Arsenal knew they weren't going to get into it. Um, you know, Idavell took off uh, Blackstinius and Catley, who I thought were their two best players, which was weird to me. You know, he moved Williamson into midfield, uh, bringing on uh, Bobby, what's her name? Lotto, moving away. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and I thought she was terrible on the ball <laughs> she looked like an accident waiting to happen and you know everything changed um but when you look at the stats as I said earlier you wouldn't have thought that 
No, I think we almost dropped back a little bit after that second goal and game managed and let Arsenal have the ball, knowing that we could control where they played the ball. Um, it wasn't quite as obvious from where I was standing at the game, but watching it back on telly, it was obvious that we were controlling the game without having the ball. Um, and yeah, it was just, yeah, why play at 100 miles an hour when you can play at 50 and conserve energy when we've got a really big one of the games coming up and the players have come back from an international break. Yeah, it's the, the great saying about um, when you're playing a game of fetch with a dog, the dog has 90% possession but never has control. Yeah. Um, it felt like that as well on Sunday. And, you know, and talking to you know, Jonas Ardaval, he said after the game, you know, Chelsea are efficient and we are not. Um, Chelsea's XG was 0.99. Uh, Arsenal's was 1.56. So, you know, they created some good chances more than Chelsea did. But as he said, Chelsea are efficient and they were not. Um, and I felt a little bit sorry for Idaval because um, no matter what he seems to do, um, Arsenal just not good enough. And that must must hurt. Yeah. Um, however, what I didn't understand and what I'm really grateful he didn't do was in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the first half, Caitlin Ford swapped sides with Katie McCabe and was up against Neve Charles and got the better of Neve Charles two or three times. And at half time, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if he'll stick with that. And uh, Caitlin, I was expecting to see Caitlin Ford on the same side and go up against Neve Charles. And he switched them back over again, which I was very grateful for, but didn't quite understand because that seemed to be their most dangerous outlet to go. Um, so whilst, yeah, whatever he does isn't working, equally, I can't understand some of his decisions either. Yeah, if he's not beating Chelsea, then that's fine with me. Um, yeah. He can carry on making those decisions. Exactly. Great, I don't mind him making those decisions, but if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be quite frustrated, I think. Yeah. But luckily, we're blessed to support the best team uh, in London, uh, in women's football anyway. Um, less said about the men's, the better. Um, we're going to head for a short ad break now. Uh, before we do that, a reminder that... Uh, our series celebrating the 30th anniversary of the creation of the Chelsea FC women's team is available on full on our Patreon page. Uh, Patreon costs you £5 a month to subscribe. Uh, in return, you get access to interviews with uh, the likes of Tony Farmer, the man who created the Chelsea women's team, uh, George Michaelas, who coached the team from 2002 to 2005, as well as uh, Matt Beard, the now Liverpool coach, who was Chelsea's last coach uh, before Emma Hayes and the WSL era. Um, you also get early access to all our podcasts uh, and they're ad-free as well. So when we go for a break now, um, you don't have to sit through that. Um, it also helps us to you know, run the show, put shows live on Mixler. It helps with our things like the Future Ballers that we did last summer. Uh, and your support is greatly appreciated. The link for that will be in the description box. Uh, so please check it out and support the show. We'll be right back. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, 
It's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part two then of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Um, I'm still here with Sophie. Um, and Sophie, I want to talk about that game management because this is a big thing for me when... Zinsberger went down uh, injured, which I think was a deliberate ploy by Idavar to get his players over to him. Uh, he was there with his whole team, you know, 10 players on the pitch. Um, I think with Chelsea, Magda was over with the coaches, but all the players were just together doing their own thing, talking about their jobs with their teammates in similar positions. Uh, you know, Wrighton with Neve Charles, um, etc. Um Coaches on the pitch and off the pitch is how I put it. Um, and Emma made this point when talking about Idaval as well. She, she said, you know, I've had 10 years here to create this and he's not, and it takes time. But, you know, it, it really highlighted for me the differences between Arsenal, who are a very good team, um, and Chelsea, who are the best team by a distance, I think, now in the WSL. Yeah, and I think... If you watch other teams, it's the same. The, the players will go to the manager, whereas the Chelsea players will create their own little discussion groups and work it out between them what they need to. One or two might go over to the coaches um, and, and catch up with them and, and then pass the messages on. But a lot of the time, it's it's Magda or it's Millie or it's Sam or Erin or Sophie just pointing stuff out and saying, we need to do this, we need to do that, or why don't we try this, why don't we try that? And often a that you can see a slight tweak in formation as a result of what they're saying. Um, so yeah, it's definitely they're actually definitely creating coaches on the field as well as off the field. Yeah, and the other big thing, you know, for me, every time I looked over, Emma was sat down, which isn't like Emma. She is normally up, um, you know, giving her opinion across to her players, um, as she likes to do. But she sort of left this game to, you know, obviously she has Stuart. Um, her assistant goalkeeper coach uh, and Denise Reddy who were obviously up on the touchline but normally she's there as well do you think that was just because the game was was going exactly as they probably planned and expected it to yeah I think it probably is I mean she made the point in her her post-match interview that they tweaked the defense sort of uh, I'm not sure she said half time or halfway through the first half I know there's a half in there somewhere um (laughs) to sort of sit back a little bit deeper, as you said, to stop the, the Arsenal players getting in behind. Um, and I think once they did that, as I say, it was it was a game over and she didn't need to she didn't need to expend the energy 
so she could sort of maintain her energy levels for this week um, and what's coming up as well, because it's got to be hard work for her, sort of every match on her feet, talking to the players mentally as well as physically. So she's going to save some energy by passing it on and, and letting the players do it, then why not? And if the players can do it in a game against Arsenal, then they can do it against any other game that they might need to do it in. So, Yeah, I suppose it, you know, it also made sense of how the game felt and, and played out as well because it, it was quite flat. There wasn't really yeah. much need to win the game. I know McCabe put herself about a little bit, but there wasn't anything particularly nasty or any reason to even sort of go at the ref. Um, it really petered through and I think that suited Chelsea more than Arsenal as it proved with the result. Yeah, and I think that that lack of intensity came from Arsenal. I, I think if... If Arsenal had been intense, Chelsea would have upped their intensity, but they didn't have to up their intensity um, because Arsenal didn't up theirs, um, which is really surprising. It's a cup game. You're only 2-0 down after after sort of like 70 minutes, yet they were still really, yeah, there was, there was, they felt like there was no belief in that they were actually going to get back into the game. Mm. I get the feeling from them that you know, they just automatically think, I've got no medium, I've got no mead. That's it. We're done. And obviously, they've not won this year, um, 2023. Um, although I can't say I pay too much attention to what Arsenal fans are talking about on social media, but that sort of is the impression that I'm getting that they feel like their two best players are out. They, that's it. They're they're done. Whereas you know, even looking at Chelsea, you know, they've got no Kirby, no Harder in the squad. Players, you know, you could probably match them against Mead and Miedema in terms of their output and their importance to the team, and didn't seem to affect us at all. No, exactly. I think that I think there is an element of that. Oh, equally, I think there's a, a little bit of a lack of confidence across some of the other players in the Arsenal team. Blackstinius, for example, that one-on-one chance she had when she got the the better of Ericsson, Um I just never got the feeling that was going to go in the net. I thought Berger would save it, or as it happened, it went what? It went over the top. Um, and yeah, I mean, say even Katie McCabe wasn't running around like a lunatic like she normally is. Um, maybe it's because she knows she's going to sign for us in the summer. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit after the game, wasn't there? I see that on on Twitter with Emma and her. a little bit of a prolonged um, handshake between the two uh, as they was on the pitch. Um, now I've got one more conspiracy theory for you from the bench, uh, and that was the position of uh, our other assistant manager, Tanya Oxterby, who usually watches all the matches just above the dugout. She's the eye in the sky. Um, but she was sat on the in the dugout this game. Do you think Jonas's recent comments about women coaches and putting more of them in the WSL, the, despite the fact that he only had one and she left, do you think maybe that was a little push towards that where he looks over the bench and there's all these women intimidating him? Possibly, but then I, I haven't noticed. I know that when Emma was off, Tonya Roxby was on the bench alongside Denise Reddy, and I wasn't sure if she'd gone back to being that eye in the sky or if she just maintained that bench presence. I hadn't noticed the benches in previous matches to 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 comment, but I quite like your your conspiracy theory. Although he has now got Lydia Bedford on staff, hasn't he? She's she's joined him. Yeah, I feel like he Googled you know, women WSL <laughs> managers and she obviously came up top. She'd just been sacked and he gave her a call. Um, but that's, again, another conspiracy theory uh, for you. Um, now, obviously, next weekend, um, we play Arsenal again, this time in the Conti Cup. 
uh, the final at Sellers Park. Um, how much of an impact do you think the game on Sunday is going to have on, on what plays out on Sunday? That's really difficult to know. Um, yeah, a little bit predicting the future, but... I, it's... Do you think Chelsea have the advantage now going into it, given how easy it was for them? Potentially, but then we thought that last year when we played City off the park a couple of games and then they came and gave us a bloody nose. So I'm just a bit wary of predicting the same of sort of like, yes, it's going to it's gonna mean something when then Arsenal turn up and give us a bloody nose as well. Um, I can't see how Arsenal will be as unintense, which is a horrible word, but hopefully you know what I mean, unintense <laughs> next weekend as they were this weekend against us. Now, whether that's because it was at Kings Meadow, um, whether that's because they were tired because of international breaks or what, I, I just can't see that lack of intensity there next week. I think we really need to be on our toes from the word go next week because that's twice against us. They've come out the blocks really quick and I think they'll do the same again next week and you never know if next week they score a goal, then suddenly that changes the whole point of the game, the whole sort of focus on the game. So I think we need to be maybe a little bit safer to start with and then sort of push through and, and play on the counter-attack, which I think is our strength anyway throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, I've been at cup finals for the, for the men's where, you know, we come up against teams and there's an expectation that you're going to go and win that game and as you say, you know, you, you get a bloody nose. Um, do you think given that we did lose this final last year and, you know, a lot of players will have that memory, you know, especially Lauren James, who came on and was at fault for one of the City goals where she didn't track Caroline Weir. Um, that's going to help us as well, you know, reliving that memory of how they felt on that day. Um, obviously, they would have used that for the FA Cup final later that season, but they can use that to sort of keep them on their toes. Yeah, because as we know, this team hate losing. So I don't think, I think, yeah, they will want to get that trophy back. They want to win every single trophy that's out there. Um, and if the game carries out the way the previous Chelsea-Arsenal games have carried out, then um, we should be able to, 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 we should have too much for Arsenal. But as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm wary of them coming and giving us a bloody nose. They get an early goal and, and they sit back and suddenly it looks a bit different, doesn't it? So we'll, um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I suppose there's also that you know, there is that rivalry between Hayes and, and Idaval that, she won't want to lose to him in particular, let alone you know Arsenal. Um, so I think that will help our preparation as well. Um, how much do you think she changes the team from Sunday to 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 Sunday? It wouldn't surprise me if she kept the same team, but then it wouldn't surprise me if she brings back in Buchanan, um, moves Magda to left back. And possibly starts Jesse Fleming over Helena uh, Jelena Chankovic. Um, whereas I think the team that Jonas put out, that was his strongest team. And I think chances are he'll play that team again next week. I think we have the benefit of more depth and we could therefore spring a surprise. We may not put the same team out again. Um, she may decide to use Chankovic as a finisher like she did at the Emirates, as she calls her. Uh, she said Eve Perisette's managing a bit of a groin issue, so it may be that even after a week off, she doesn't want to play her again. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I know I keep saying we'll see, um, but 
I think unless something major happens this week, I think the bulk of the team will be the same. It's just those one or two players that be interesting to see if, say, Buchanan comes back in, where Magda then fits in, if Jess Carter plays instead of Neve Charles, or um, if Fleming comes in for Chankovic, which I think will be really harsh because she played really well. Yeah, it's obviously decisions that, that Emma gets you know paid to make. I thought I thought Neve had a pretty good game overall, and I think she's a much better option for us at left back than than Jess is. You know, as good as Jess is one v one defending. Um, I think we do lose something going forward with her playing, you know, left back or right back. Uh, but as you said, you know, Ford did get the better of of Charles, you know, a few times. So if you've got Ericsson maybe at left back, you know, you could have Charles, uh, sorry, Carter at right back. It's just about how that, because we're always going to have four people back because Ericsson and Carter both, you know, resistant to get forward. Um, does that. Does that dentist going forward, and perhaps you would still then play Kankovic over Fleming, who is probably a bit more industrial than than Kankovic is. Um, you know, leaving James and Wrighton and Kerr to sort out, you know, what happens going forward. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I hadn't thought of it like that. That if you you just got those four defenders, you've got defenders there, and you do lose something going forward. Um, the other option is we do the hybrid back three, back four thing where. You play. You might play Neve Charles on the on the right, but she's more pushing forward, and you bring Magda back in and on sort of the defence when we we haven't got the ball and you're playing a back three. There's so many options that, and whatever we think, Emma will come up with something completely different again. Um, but I think I agree with what you said about Neve Charles. I think she definitely offers us something more going forward. Um, Jess Carter's definitely a better defender. Um, so. I don't know what would I do. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not paid to make those decisions, as you said. Yeah, I suppose the the good thing is, no matter what you know, what player she picks, you know, you've got a long list of positives about you know that player. Um, I will say I'm expecting Buchanan, Bright, and Ericsson all to start. I think you yeah. start Ericsson in a cup final, uh, and Buchanan as well. So that'll be Ericsson at left back. Just be who's who plays at the right back, and if if you, as you say, Perisic's got a bit of a groin injury, she might rest her out for this game. For others that are coming up, you know, as or big as she play her this week and rest her for the Brighton game. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, as big as a cup final is, you know, Leon are fast approaching on the horizon. You know, Man United coming to Kings Meadow, uh, is huge in the league. Um, but they've got the people there to to manage the squad, I suppose. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is would be determined. Does does she want to play a pressing game? Because I think if she wants to press the Arsenal back four, then Jesse Fleming starts. Because I think she's we along with Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, who probably won't be available. She's one of the best pressers of the ball we have in that in that position. So I think if Fleming plays, then we might be seeing a slightly different game plan to what we had at the weekend. Yeah, and I suppose our best chances sort of came from that that press and and you know enabling not enabling Arsenal to pass. How they pass, um, and I suppose it's always always good to have that edge over them the week before. You know that you beat their best their best team on paper um, that they have. You know that that's all they've got coming next week. Whereas Chelsea have got other options, as we say. Arsenal are going to be you know guessing just as much as we are right now about what Emma Hayes is going to do. Um, 
I wouldn't like to be going inside of her, that's for sure. Um, is it too early to ask you for a prediction? I don't do predictions, um, but I've got a friend and one of her favourite scorelines is 3-1, so I'm going to go with her prediction of 3-1. Okay, I suppose that's all right. I'll go with... That sounds good. Um, in normal time, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I say, it's not my prediction because I, I don't do predictions, but that's her favourite scoreline, so... I think I'd repaint the 2-0 if I was going to guess myself. Yeah. Uh, nice and comfortable. Um, shame I'm not going to be there. Um, but anyway, uh, I'll just run through the other results because it was the FA Cup fifth round. Uh, Man United beat Durham 5-0. Uh, Brighton beat Coventry 5-0. Uh, Man City were 8-1 winners over Bristol City. Um, Burnham City beat Charlton Athletic 1-0 after extra time. Uh, obviously, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0. Uh, Lewis women won 6-1 against Cardiff. Uh, Reading beat Tottenham 5-4 on penalties. And Aston Villa beat West Ham 7-6 on penalties. Um, and while I try and talk around that, I'm going to try and get the draw up. Uh, obviously, Chelsea away to, to Reading. I suppose we'll start there. Um, thoughts on that, please? Uh, yes, because I was convinced after drawing Arsenal we were going to draw City or United, especially as we've got one of them before that weekend and one of them after that weekend. So I think anybody that's not City or United, uh, it's a shame it's not at King's Meadow, but it's not too far to travel to Reading. It's not like we've got to go all the way up to Durham or anything further away than that. So I was actually quite confident that they would keep City, Arsenal. I put it on Arsenal. Uh, I put it on Discord, actually. You know, that Man United, Man City and Chelsea would all be kept apart in the quarterfinals because it gives them, you know, you would expect... You know, three big teams in the semi-final, which sort of almost guarantees them two big teams at Wembley for the final, which obviously helps with ticket sales. Um, and if I was if I was a betting man, which I can be on occasion, uh, the winner of Birmingham Brighton will play the winner of Chelsea Reading um, in the semi-final, and it'll be a Manchester derby uh, in the other semi-final. So Man City or Man United for Chelsea in the final. Um, sounds okay, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah, as we said, the other ones, you know, Aston Villa, Man City go to Aston Villa and uh, Man United are going to Lewis. Uh, nice, long journey for them. Uh, they've had a few nice draws recently, actually, you know, Man United, championship sides. Uh, people complain about us. Always seem to play as WSL teams in every competition. Oh, but there you go. Um before we go, Sophie, anything else you feel like we should add? Um, just, just a sort of random point I want to raise. Um, attendance numbers. So at the Stamford Bridge game against Tottenham, it was clearly nowhere near as big as they said. The last couple of games at Kings Meadow, it feels like the attendance was actually a lot higher than they said. So the official attendance at the weekend was like 2,800 odd, I think. But it felt like there was a lot more people in there than there. There was no way was there like nearly 2,000 empty spaces in, in the ground on on Sunday. So I'm just just I'm a bit confused about how they're calculating these attendances at the moment. You, well, the East Stand was full, both yep. sides. The, um, the South Stand, where I was standing, that was full. Yeah, the North Stand was full with the Arsenal block and the Chelsea block. The West Stand, the second half of it over the tunnel was empty. 
I yeah, that on the replays. Yeah, that's that's because that's where the VIP, the away team VIP sit, isn't it? So that's where Meadamar and Mead and all those players were sat. So yeah, but apart from that, the West End obviously four as usual as it is. Yeah. Um, we've seen the holders. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how they're getting their their numbers. Someone's guessing. Yeah, or they forgot to add the Arsenal fans in, which wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> if Arsenal sold the tickets themselves, then I don't know. Who knows? It just it just seemed really low, and everybody around me all said the same thing. They all said, "There's no way is there two thousand nearly two thousand fifteen hundred empty spaces in here today." So mm, we'll see. Just like four four, isn't it? About the max. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seemed no quieter than when we played United end of the season. No, no, um, exactly. Um, but anyway, I don't know. It was just, it was just a random thought that sort of yeah after. Really over egging the the Tottenham game. The, the last two games at Kings Meadow seem to have been underrated a little bit. But what do what do we know? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I will say they did say there was tickets available uh, on the Kings Meadow gate. Yeah. Um, where they were, I don't know. Um, because you couldn't sit anywhere near where I was, and I think they would have been standing gate, standing tickets. So either south stand or east stand. So hmm. hopefully, someone from. Um... Maybe one of the barriers weren't counting as people went through it. Yeah, possibly. Something like that. We'll see. As you say, it's probably the Arsenal supporters that they didn't have the numbers for, so they just didn't include it in the attendance. Um, ignoring Arsenal fans, that's no big deal to me. Um, <laughs> happy for I that. did like the fact that all the Arsenal fans were grouped together down there in that area, like the Man U fans were last year. I thought that generated a little bit of noise from the away fans, whereas normally when they're dotted around around the ground, you get the odd sound from here and there, but it, like like a football match should be, it generated a little bit of noise from them. Yeah, weird. Uh, maybe it was the same thing you had where you couldn't hear the chants from the West Stand because every time it sort of the song ended, they were singing, "Is this a library?" Yeah, and I'm sort of thinking, "You're not listening, or what's going on? Can you not?" I know one one someone was trying to get each stand to sing and he kept doing it, but obviously they can't hear one person shouting from the West Stand, so he was just getting ignored. Norm, normally normally you can hear them do that, but as I say, whether it was just the the ambient noise around me in the South Stand this time, but I, I couldn't I generally couldn't hear a lot of the chants from the from the West Stand this game. So Yeah, I mean you heard the odd Arsenal chant and they had a they did have a couple of others, I will say that for them, but not yeah. that I could make out. Um. Yeah, Ben says Arsenal fans seem very loud just before after the start of the game to me. Um, I suppose when they had the most optimism, yeah, they very quickly got sucked out of them. Uh, which was fun. Um. Anyway, that is uh, all we're going to have time for this evening. Uh, a reminder before we go that uh the fourth edition of Kings Meadow Chronicle, um, which I create and Sophie writes for, uh, is available online uh, unfortunately the printer was a bit delayed so i couldn't have it at the arsenal game uh which means that your only chance to get it at king's meadow is going to be the man united game uh because of this the price online is reduced to just one pound so if you live in the uk it's one pound fifty with postage to get a copy which is cheaper than seeing me at king's meadow to be honest um so if you want to save yourself uh 50p um get yourself a copy online uh it's kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com uh if not, I'll be outside Kings Meadow uh, with the Man United fan team as well, actually. Uh, Andy, uh, who does their Barnley article, 
is going to be with me, uh, with MUTV actually, for that one. So I'm going to have a shave and do my hair. Uh, look good, uh, as you have to do. Uh, Sophie, thank you for um, for answering the late call. Um, it's been a been a pleasure again. No problem. Again, thanks for asking. Um, and yeah, enjoy your time away. I will. Uh, I'm going to speak to Dane about next week. So if it's Monday, that works for you, right? Um, yes, I think so. I think Monday's fine. It's Wednesday the men are playing. Uh, no, Tuesday the men are playing. Wednesday, Tuesday the men are playing. Brighton's game. Wednesday, Chelsea women are playing. Yeah. It's all so busy and I'm not even here. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I've just said, you know, I'm away next week. If we are back, it will be with Dane uh, and guests to review the Conti Cup final, uh, which will probably look in like Monday, um, given the fixture list of the men and the women's team. Uh, so make sure you join them for that. Um, then we'll be back. I'll be back after that for the uh, United review the following Tuesday, 8pm uh, as usual on Mixler. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at MoKingsMellow. I am at DMears. Sophie is at Traveller74. Uh, we're also on Instagram at went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, all the links for everything just said will be in the description box below. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. And from Kings Meadow to Sellers Park, uh, keep the blue flag flying high. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.